Hello, my name is Mike Rain, and I'd like to welcome you to the Outdoor Lives podcast. This podcast is brought to you by myself, Mike Rain, and you can find out more about me at mikerain.co.uk. If you head over to mikerain.co.uk, you can buy one of my books, you can buy The Mountain Leader, a Practical Manual, or you can buy two of my books because you can also buy Nature of Snowdonia there. If you buy direct from myself, I will sign the books for you. Um, On the front page of my website, you also get the option to head over to my Patreon page. If you choose to become a Patreon subscriber, then you get this podcast without this advert. There's also an advert in the middle of the podcast and some more words at the end. So if you want ad-free podcasts, pop across to my Patreon page and you can join as a full member there. It's £4 a month and you also get access to downloadable PDFs, which are extracts from Nature of Snowdonia. You get the audio version of The Mountain Leader, a practical manual. You get e-learning modules, bonus podcasts, bonus blogs, all sorts of goodies. So head over to Patreon page, Mike Rain, and uh, see if you can find it within you to become a member there. And then you'll be able to avoid these adverts. Do head over to my website, MikeRain.co.uk, you can book workshops and first aid courses as well. Um. Thank you for listening to the commercial. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And remember, just visit mycrane.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Hello again, it's Mike Rain here. Uh, today I'm talking to Dan Lane, the operations manager at Raw Adventures. This is the first episode in season four. We're recording this in... The autumn of 2023. Dan, how are you today? I'm very well, thanks, Mike. Just about dried out. Had a bit of a soggy day on the hill, but very well. Yeah, it's been a wet one, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Dan, what does an operations manager do? Let's just start there, because uh, that's what we introduced you as, isn't it? Oh. I don't really know what one is. That's a, that's a big question, really. What do I do, what do, I do on a daily basis? Um, I guess my job is to oversee the delivery of all of the events that that we run at raw um that's just under 300 this year 300 events wow um that could be anything from a a one-to-one kind of teaching day teaching navigation maybe uh charity events on on a withva um duke of edinburgh expeditions mountain training course providers uh mass participation events adventure races School residentials. Crikey. If he's outside, we do it basically, yeah. and uh, and I guess my job is to make sure they all go smoothly as they can. So a key part of your job is employing uh, mountain leaders mm. and, and yeah. qualified yeah. people, isn't it? Definitely, we've got uh, we're just over seven hundred freelance staff on the on the list at the moment. Seven hundred. Yeah. So That's some of those massive. we'll work with regularly, and some maybe new to the industry and we've not had a chance to meet yet. Yeah. And everything yeah. in between, but it's, it's a lot of people all over the UK. Yeah. How do you get to be an operations manager at somewhere like Raw Adventures, responsible for 300 events a year? Over 30,000 people involved in those yeah, events. Roughly, I, we interact with, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember this being in the jobs board in the careers library. Yeah, well, 
for me, it was an accident, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I started out my, my outdoor career as a freelance mountain leader, as, as many people do. Uh, freelancing for Raw sometimes. And then that sort of uh, went on from there. We, I did a big kind of 30-day job for Raw back in 2017. Clearly must have done something right. I ended up doing a little bit of admin in the office and that just kind of grew into into what it is today. Really, so It's been a probably a five-year journey from a freelance ML to sitting in, in that chair as operations manager on the on the job list. And job so title. you were employed as a mountain leader? And Initially, then, yeah. And then and you, you were taken on? Yeah. Because you had an ability for admin or...? I don't, I don't really know why, really. You'd have to ask Ross that one. Um... I, w- I was around and about, I guess, I guess maybe, hopefully I'd kind of shown I was a, a decent ML and had some yeah, some promise. Yeah. Perhaps my degree helped with the sort of logical thinking that's required for... Uh, well, I was going to ask you about that, because was it some sort of chemistry mm, or degree? Yeah, um, I've got a master's degree in chemistry of all things. Yeah, so you, you know, outdoor people would tend to do an outdoor degree or a geography degree or something. So yeah. w- where did the chemistry come from? Is that a passion or an interest? Um, it's hard as chemistry, well, isn't it? Well, that one was an accident as well, really. Um, I, I was planning to do a geography degree, um, but the way the subjects worked out at A level is I couldn't do. You know, the timetables clashed, so I did chemistry because that was because <laughs> that was the next best option, basically. And then and then I got through that and thought, it's kind of quite interesting this mixing stuff up and seeing what happens. Yeah. Um, so I ended up going to uni partly because I was I was you know I was okay at it. I found yeah, it quite interesting. Yeah. Um. And partly because I had this sort of logic of, well, I need something just in case the outdoors doesn't work for me. Yeah. Maybe I get injured. Maybe the industry just falls apart. You know. Sounds very wise. Huh? It's a it's a good backup. There's always going to be work there. But and I'm, I'm told yeah. the chemistry degree is quite mathematical, isn't it? So yeah. lots logical... of maths, lots of numbers, lots of logic, lots yeah. of uh, sort of critical thinking of things. So looking at some sort of spreadsheet with different events and different instructors and different participants and, and kit, getting kit in the right place, that all sort of leads into that, it, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. There's There's got to be a lot of organisation and logic and, and stuff when we're dealing with that many people and that many events. Well, we'll probably come back to that, but there's a journey here to being a mountain leader, isn't there? Were you a chemist mm. before a mountain leader or were you a um, mountain leader before a chemist? I did my mountain leader training... The week before I started my degree. <laughs> so uh, I guess you could just about say a chemist in, I'd already applied to university at that time. So you were a hill walker, you were a climber as well? Uh, yeah. From school days? Yeah, from, from like preschool days probably. Wow. Out and about with family walking initially and then dragged to the climbing wall. Um, I thought it was rubbish to start with, if really? I'm honest. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this is hard work and boring and are yeah. we having a snack soon? Yeah. Um, Probably got to about 12 when I started enjoying it, and then it was rock climbing. It was all about going climbing. Yeah. Um, and that, that grew from there. And then uh, ended up doing my, my mountain leader training, yeah, 18. So it became wow. a bit more broad horizon. But you were point. a hill walker and a climber rather than just. If, if you'd have asked me, I'd have said I was a climber. Yeah. But inevitably yeah. that involves walking around some hills yeah. as well. Just yeah. keen to be out, really. Absolutely. Ideally climbing. So you have gone on, haven't you, to do the climbing qualifications. You are yeah. now a mountaineering instructor yeah yeah so i did my rock climbing instructor or spa single picture world as it was then uh, and then now i'm a mountaineering and climbing instructor yeah and do you get to work doing that as well i do yeah i managed to balance things quite well with days in the office and days out on the hill whether that's teaching climbing or working on things like mountain leader courses 
things like that. So, yeah, re- really good variety, good mix. It is a massive mix, isn't it? Does the work you do at Raw, employing mountain leaders to work on events, does that feed into the mountain leader training and assessment you do? Yeah, I would say so, definitely, yeah. Um, a, lot, a lot of the time, everywhere from lowland leader courses through to mountain leader, whatever I'm working on, um, I'll, I'll pull out either past experiences for myself or when I've worked alongside other leaders or or things we learn as we we work as the employer you know what does an employer want to see what makes you a better mountain leader than someone else or how can you be better Um, so to work on these events you need to be a mountain leader you need to be really good at finding ring contours and re-entrance no no not at all um I think you, you could I haven't done the maths but um I suspect we might employ more people in a lowland environment than a mountain environment, yeah. and therefore a lowland leader is perfectly appropriate, and in some cases better, yeah. more applicable, should we say. How would they be better? Better's an interesting term, it depends how you mean better, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, um, doesn't it? You know, some people are just better at their jobs than others, yeah. Um, yeah. they could be better MLs, worse MLs, but I think maybe more applicable is a better way of describing it, so yeah. a lowland leader's been trained and assessed in a lowland environment in that farmland yeah. environment it's really hard work whereas a, a mountain leader potentially has never walked in that environment and has certainly never been assessed there i guess they, only. they want to be on the mountains as well don't yeah. they don't, don't yeah. want to be able to do some that's not to say mountain leaders can't operate in that environment yeah but yeah. Th- i wouldn't say they're necessarily any better yeah. by default mm. yeah which is maybe controversial in some no circles. it is it's interesting it's, it's, I mean, do you, do you have sort of a job spec then? Um, you know, how do you decide which mountain leader? Um, you got 700 there, you know, how do we, yeah. get, on, how so, do we get on that list? How do we stay on that list? Um, What's the extras they need? To do a good job, to, to be good with people. Yeah. Having yeah. a certificate is one thing, but um, we want happy clients and happy customers. Um, so the, the people thing's key. Massively, yeah, yeah. Got to have good people skills. And that's not to say they need to be able to work with every type of group. Yeah, because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to learn kind of what what client types different leaders will work well with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, bring, bring some good people skills is certainly a good start. Be professional about it. You know, turn up on time, look the part, bring all the kit you should have. Just do do a good job. Read the information you've been sent. All uh, do the basics well basically yeah um, so i'm just thinking about the people thing um mm. i'm not i don't remember doing much it's a long time ago since i did my ml uh, and even on training and assessment course i've done yeah it tends to focus around navigation and rope work at yeah how can we do more more people stuff on a how can we do that better i, I think it's difficult isn't it i think um i, I don't know is the simple answer yeah. I, from my experience working on these courses, it's a very hard thing to teach. It's interesting. Um, I know I always ask people to lead a leg and look after the group and, mm. and talk to the group. And um, just maybe we should accentuate that a little bit more because I know when I do do that, people will, because they're stressed on assessment, they'll slip back into focusing on navigation, which I understand because yeah. they really don't want to get lost. No. But I really am wanting them to just... Talk to me. It's so frustrating when they walk past interesting things. I don't mind people yeah. walking past 
Heather and Bilbury, but suddenly if you see something a little bit different, we saw some dog vomit slime mould yesterday. Mm, yeah. You know, to me, that's different. It stands out as different. And it, and it's trying to reassure people that you don't, they don't you don't expect them to know everything, but it's really quite fun when they spot something that's different to what's yeah. normally there. And yeah. they go, ooh, I know that's Heather, I know that's Bilbury, but this is different. Has anybody seen this before? Yeah. And it's that sort of interaction that we're really looking for, isn't it? It is. I think... Where we are now with technology, actually, most people can get up a mountain on their own. Yeah. They don't necessarily need us as mountain leaders to take them up a mountain. Look yeah. how many people are on Trevan. Yeah. So where we can add stuff is the rest of the day. You know, increase the value of our services to them. That we're not, we're not just it? a navigation tool. We're there to give them a good day out and, and, uh, and that sort of stuff. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But just now, we need to go for a break. So forgive us. We'll be back in a moment. Hello, it's Mike Crane of MikeRain.co.uk and I'm the sponsor of this podcast. I would love it if you could pop over to my website and check out the workshops tab. It's As I'm speaking, most of the autumn workshops, I think all the workshops for autumn are full at the moment. So we're now looking at January bookings. Uh, the next one being January the 12th, where teaching navigation, a pragmatic approach is the next available workshop. This workshop takes you through a step-by-step progression to teaching navigation on the hill. And it's very much about real, pragmatic, practical navigation. Um, We obviously look at some of the games and things and and we pay attention to, to navigation books and talks, but it's not about those. What this workshop is about is taking a step-by-step approach to teaching navigation on the hill to different sorts of people with clear progressions, target setting and outcomes. I've been working on workshops like this for quite a long time now, uh, 15, 16 years, and I've definitely developed and tweaked the approach from what we have done previously in the past. One of the things I noticed in the past was that we would uh, create lots of games and interesting things to do on teaching navigation workshops. But when we started teaching navigation, we didn't really do those things. We uh, we just grabbed some maps, maybe some compasses, and, and went out for a walk and, and progressed our skills in real time. So that's what we worked through on this workshop. Teaching navigation, a pragmatic approach. There's space now for the workshop in January. Head over to mycrane.co.uk and visit the All Workshops tab. Back to the podcast. Thank you. Hello again and welcome back. This is Mike Rane talking to Dan Lane, the Operations Manager at Raw Adventures. Uh, Let's start there because, you know, I think we started the podcast by me saying I don't really know what an operations manager is. So give us an idea of going to work on a Monday morning and I don't know whether you put the coffee on or the kettle on or the make a hot chocolate, but you sit down at your desk. What happens then? Well, first thing is I'm normally about five minutes late. (laughs) Um, And I blame that one on the dog because he's run off whilst we're going for a walk. Um, Yeah, normally five minutes late. Um... Then usually get told I haven't done the tidying up from yesterday, which is also true. Um, and then I kind of, yeah, I'll sit down, I'll, I'll open my laptop um, and I'll 
tend to just kind of skim through the emails that have come in yesterday afternoon and and overnight and and that could be that could be literally anything do you get a lot of emails yeah yeah lots we in the office we have like three or four shared mailboxes on our own personal mailboxes wow. as well and uh you know you can imagine with 700 staff that's a lot of emails invoices yeah, questions coming in from staff um and we've got 300 odd events on wow. nearly 300 that's a lot of client emails as well so you must have to be quite disciplined then because you've always got some logistics to plan mm -hmm. with events but you could probably spend most of the day answering emails yeah 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 and and i kind of there's a number of us in the office and we all work slightly differently and i, I tend to kind of work through let's say my emails all day and then the next day i'll come back and do with staff emails or, or something like that um but it's tricky you know the phone rings and then yeah. you get distracted halfway through a job because <laughs> that campsite you were trying to get hold of has picked up your voicemail and is phoning back and you've got to remember what event you even wanted them for and because you've got so stuff. many going yeah on. and then you know half past 10 you might have a, a zoom call with a client to discuss this new event they want to build wow. and do you um, take responsibility for an event or is that how does do, that work? um yeah we try to do it like that so there's there's a number of us in the team. There's, there's Kate and Ross, company directors. Kate deals with kind of the running side of things, uh, keen oh, runner. Yeah. Ross sits in that kind of director role, so it does a lot of the, he will say it himself, frankly, the boring stuff, but but will take on a few key events. Yeah. Um, and then there's myself, uh, and then the support of Honesty and Katie as well, who the three of us work really well as a little little team, and, and Ross as well, to make a four that are sort of, Picking up whatever comes into the office. Um, are you a team with different strengths and are you a team we kind bringing of, in different things? We, yeah, so honesty keeps me on track and keeps me organised and tells me when I haven't done something, basically. <laughs> and I'd be absolutely lost without honesty and Katie, yeah, I think. Yeah. They're there. They're the, but you must bring some into that team as well. Yeah, I think I'd probably bring more experience yeah. um, and just yeah. the ability to answer those random questions. You know, this this person's just phoned and they want this sort of event and I don't really know where to start. <laughs> and and I can often sort of offer a bit of a, a starting point. Or, or maybe I'll just take on that event because it's a bit weird and bespoke. Do you have favourite events? Um, I quite like planning those weird bespoke things. You yeah. know, the ones where I might answer the phone and someone goes, I've had this idea and then my ears prick up. And and I'll normally end that conversation with uh, when they ask, can you do it? I'll be like, well... Mm. I don't really know. Pro probably. Let me have a think. It might depend on your budget, but probably. But I really need to go away and sit down and put my thinking cap on. And that's, is, that's exciting. There's a lot of events in the hills, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, some people might say there's more than we need. Yeah. How do you manage that? Um, it's not just an environmental impact, but it's an impact on other hill users, isn't it? It, it is, yeah. I, I think it's worth saying that not all of our events are in the hills. We okay, do a huge yeah. amount away from the traditional mountain areas, yep. and actually most of our mass participation stuff is all over the UK. It, yeah. It's not, generally speaking, in the mountain areas. Yeah. You know, in, in the last few weeks, we've had events down in South Wales, on the south coast of the UK, uh, up in Scotland, mm. sort of the just outside, just outside the central belt of Scotland. We we're everywhere but often not in those major mountain areas and I yeah. think that's a, a good way to spread that that pressure that, that we could put on the outdoors is there's people everywhere and people are just super psyched to do events mm. and it, it doesn't almost matter where those events are sometimes 
people get fixed on the the national three peaks quite a lot mm, don't they? Yeah, uh, ben yeah, nevis scarfell pike snowden yeah how do you um river how yeah. do you manage that i bet you get loads of people saying no oh, i do national three peaks. yeah yeah we answer those phone calls a fair bit um we try and actively persuade people that it's a bit of a rubbish challenge if i'm honest yeah you know it's terrible environmentally driving up and down in a minibus or a coach um not very good for the local communities you know mm. there's no money being spent there and it's disruptive at four in the morning driving into wasdale um and it's just a bit unimaginative i think mm, i think is, people yeah. want to do it because they've heard of it yeah but the reality is it's mostly a challenge of trying to get some rest whilst you're sleeping next to someone who stinks because they've just run up a mountain yeah. whilst you're hungry yeah. and uh yeah the i think there's far better challenges um so we try and persuade people to do more yeah. More interesting things, you know, go to the Lake District and do a three-day challenge in the Lake District. Yeah, yeah. Get somewhere, base yourself somewhere, reduce your impact environmentally, increase your your positive impact on the area by spending a little bit of money and a bit yeah. of time, uh, and do something novel, because that's way more yeah. exciting than following everyone else. I worked for you on a Welsh Three Peaks one, which is quite interesting, because mm, the group yes. got the train to Wales, to Thunder now, yep. Junction, and used a local coach company to travel between yeah. the hills and then got the train back from Cardiff, I think. Yeah, but I think so, yeah. So, so we would have organised the coach, Yeah, and we try and use local suppliers yeah. where we can, because it's yeah. just by far yeah. the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was a classic example, if I remember rightly. They initially wanted to do the National Three Peaks, right. and we persuaded them that maybe the Welsh Three Peaks be better was a lower impact it was the yeah. same concept but a lower impact yeah. um and it worked it worked for them yeah yeah it did work, work very well though i'm sure pumlumman should replace caladris but oh well that's a contract we haven't got time for that have we? <laughs> <laughs> so events yeah you're comfortable with the events and i like the way you're running those do you is it sort of a code of practice for events you know is it in in the wider sense, or for us at Raw? Well, in the wider sense, because um, people get into trouble for leaving out way markers and all that sort of thing. Don't yeah, they? so making noise the, in the middle of the night. The, there's a few there's a few things out there. The, the BMC have got their what do they call it? A green guide to events or something yeah. like that. Um, it's quite old now, but I think it's being rewritten at the moment. I think it's nearly ready actually. I I, I wrote um, most of that. Yeah, so I think, I. I think Tom Carrick's rewriting that now. <laughs> it's just a bit of an update. Um, but that involves people knowing who the BMC are, and a lot it of these does, events yeah. companies might not. Yeah. Uh, and certainly, why should they listen to the BMC? Would yeah. be their attitude. Um, but there's also the last couple of years, uh, Shane from Array Events, along with a, a few other kind of key people. Shane Olish should just mention that Array yeah. Events. We'll be talking to Shane in this series, actually. Uh, arrange a podcast with Shane later on because yeah. so, he runs the Dragon's Bat race which is a, a mm, massive and, and really and the, interesting race yeah and the Cape Wrath Ultra as well as Shane's Cape Wrath Ultra yeah so um, we'll be talking to him later in the series but he's come up with some guidelines he has he? yeah well he's he's created in the last couple of years the Adventure Sports Events Conference good grief which is a bit of a mouthful yeah um but that's on the Friday of the Kendall Mountain Festival weekend ah, so right, a lot of yeah. people in Kendall a lot of the kind of key players in the big events world yeah. are up there and um you know it's got its challenges again how do you engage the people you really need to engage those mm. of us are there are probably there because we're already yeah doing the best we can um but you know i think it's a great thing and and the more we push it the more it become an expected thing yeah, yeah. um so we were there last year we'll be there again this year and we're 
We're trying to encourage other big event providers to be there as well. It is so important because a lot of people's introduction to the hills and the, the wilder places will be through events yeah, these days. absolutely. And we want so, to set them off with the right kind of message on how yeah, to use that, yeah. that area. Just yeah. things like the countryside code seem to be pretty yeah. invisible these days, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's boring, isn't it? Why would people... You know, don't people know. don't want to know. Got to get those messages over. Yeah. Uh, and that's right across the UK, isn't it? We often talk about the access in Scotland, but there is a Scottish access code... Yeah, people still abuse it, don't they? They do, they do, yeah. And it's a tricky one. How, how do we get the good practice messages across to the general That's public? Big challenge for the whole sector. So you work full-time for Raw, but... Um, nearly. Yeah. Nearly full-time, not yeah. quite full-time, because you have time to do Dan Lane Mountaineering as well, don't yeah. you? So, yeah, I keep myself busy. Well, yeah, You know, in your spare yeah. time, madness. Uh, he does go climbing as well. We'll talk about that in due course. But uh, what does Dan Lane Mountaineering do? Um, so that's, I, I guess, my my office job, if you like, my day job at Raw is is great. I love it. It's really interesting. But it we don't do all of the types of work I, I really like to be working on. Yeah. So as a mountaineering and climbing instructor, I, I want to be teaching people how to come mountaineering and climbing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. We do a bit of it, but we don't do a huge amount of it. So um, essentially, I just do a little bit of freelance work here and there. Right. Picking up uh, the more interesting things I want to do that I maybe can't do so easily in my, my day job as it yeah. were so that's yeah mountaineering and climbing and um yeah working as a freelancer on some other mountain training courses and as well that's certainly got involved with mountain training um mountain leader training mountain leader assessment hasn't it yeah because yeah. it's surprising people don't need to do anything before becoming a mountain leader assessor formally do you, you just need to shadow somebody i mean is there um a, it's not a structure to it is it to to be a course director, yes. You yeah. Need a, yeah. A mountaineering and climbing instructor or IML, winter ML, higher yeah. level qualifications, and to have shadowed or worked on, I think, six courses. Yeah. But yeah. to work as a second member of staff, yeah. and every ML course needs at least two staff, Yeah. Um, no, as long as the course provider, director, and employer yeah. is happy that your skills are up there, yeah. you can you can work on that course. Unfortunately, yeah. they tend to be good people. Certainly, the ones I've worked with in Snowdonia are all... Are all yeah. Oh, it's the provider's name on, yeah. on that piece of paper, isn't it? So they, they will only employ yeah. people they think are ready for that job. I think you work a bit with Bryn Williams? Yeah, I do a bit with Bryn. Um, I do a bit with Stu Laid at Mountain oh, Independence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, done a little bit with, with Phil George, a little bit with Jeff Brown. So, yeah, yeah just kind of getting in there and, and you know, filling fill some gaps, working on lots of different courses with lots of different people. Yeah, it's interesting, exciting. Wow. And I, I mean, I want to ask you about the future, but I, I don't want to compromise your position at Raw, you know. But how, mm. how's that going to work out? What are you, are you, for the time being, are you happy doing both? Is that? I, yeah, I, I like the balance. I think I, I do really enjoy the kind of brain power that's needed in my desk job, yeah. if you like, or yeah. the desk yeah. job side of my work yeah. at Raw. Um, but equally, I, I love getting out, working with yeah. ML candidates and, and mountaineering yeah. stuff. So it's, it's a good balance, and I think yeah. it'll, it'll work well. But something else you're doing in your spare time is you're one of the trustees of the Tom Fury Trust. Yeah, um, yeah with all that spare time I've got. Yeah, yeah be quite interested. I mean, maybe for listeners just, you know, who, who, who is, there will be people who know Tom, but there'll be a yeah. lot of people who don't know who Tom was. Yeah. And why is a Tom Fury Trust, which is... Yeah. It's kind of from sadness trying to grow something good and positive. Yeah, it's, it's a real positive thing out of a... A really sort of sad story, isn't it? Um, yeah, so Tom was 
kind of one of the up and coming mountaineering instructors uh, over the last I don't know maybe maybe four or five years similar to me started as an instructor pretty much from the day he could go in fact I think at the time he was the youngest ever qualified ML oh really wow. uh, or certainly very close to yeah yeah so he was you know really active mountaineering and climbing instructor mm. um, working on ML courses and the like and yeah so Sadly, had an accident in the Ogman Valley in uh, June 2022, so last mm. year. Um, so she's not with us anymore, unfortunately. Um, and that kind of rocked the mountaineering community in North mm. Wales. Yeah, it did. It was, a, it was a real shock to an, an awful lot of people who's very well liked, very well respected. Mm. Um, seemed to be everywhere and always smiling. Um, you know, everybody seemed to know him and he had a, a real positive impact mm. on so many people. Um. So yeah, very very shortly after his accident, and I'm talking like within the first couple of days. Oh really? This concept of wow. a, a trust to carry on what he was doing because he was so keen to help people who were having a hard time getting into the outdoors. Oh yeah. Um, whether that be an instructor level getting into the outdoors or just recreational use yeah. of the outdoor environment. Um, yeah, within the first few days, this concept had been mentioned between kind of mm. myself and his fiance Katie and, and Bryn, Peter and. And Tom, the other trustees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that kind of started started slowly, as you can probably imagine. It was a busy mm. time last summer. We had a lot a lot of you know. Tom seemed to work about three days a, a day, so we had a lot oh. of gaps in you know. There was a lot of work that needed taking up from from somewhere, so it was pretty busy. Um, but yeah, kind of over winter, we really got stuck into the paperwork, and then spring this year. Spring 23, we, uh, yeah, charity, we said, charity commission, said, yeah, you can be a charity, and here's your charity number, and then uh, kind of grown from there, really. Is that quite a lot worth then, setting up a charitable trust? It is, yeah, we, we had a hard... new ball game. Yeah, we had a hard time, we had a, a hard time convincing the charities commission that we were, kind of, we did meet the definition of a charity, and we should be wow. a, a charitable organisation, but we're there now. That's fantastic. So what's the aim of the charity, what's the goal? Um... It, to put it really simply, to sort of paraphrase the kind of official charity aim, uh, to support people in financial difficulties to access some training and education in, cool. in hillwalking, mountaineering and climbing. So there'll be an application process at some yeah. stage? Yeah, so um, very soon, maybe even by the time this goes out, it, it'll be, be announced. We're, we're hoping to start handing out some grants for people to right. access courses. And charitable trust needs some money from somewhere. We do, we do. We can't hand money out unless we've got <laughs> Where does some that money. Come from <laughs> um, donations, primarily. Yeah, yeah, we've had a good number of donations come in already, which we're obviously very grateful for. Um, you know, there, there is running costs to running a charity. Mm. We have accountants to pay. We have websites to pay to host. Um, all all of this stuff costs money. Um, I'd rather it didn't, but it does. Yeah, yeah. And we'd we'd like to give as much as we can out to those people who, who can really benefit from it and maybe yeah. couldn't access the outdoors without yeah. it. Are there any particular events coming up? That well, by the time this goes out, it's going early November. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be a couple of weeks past our first event by the time people are listening to this. Oh right, that's the end of October, is it? Yeah, twenty first and twenty second of October. We've got our first event, Fury sure. Festival at sure. uh, at Plaza Brennan. So lots of workshops running. Some free spaces on those workshops for people who need. Great. Um, so we're already getting into our kind of core aim of helping people yeah. access training. 
That's partly so, a fundraiser uh, and partly sharing some, some skills and knowledge. So hopefully that will have gone well. Yeah, if you've missed that, folks, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but hopefully it'll happen again. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it would be lovely if it's an annual thing because it's good to get together in those yeah, sort of things. Absolutely. Um, we'll see how this one goes and we'll build on it from there is the plan. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. So Tom Fury Trust, look out for that, folks. So you've got several jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever go climbing, Dad? <laughs> Amazingly, I, I, I do, yeah. And you've done only two decent trips this year, I believe, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I've, um, I, I guess, just kind of mentioning Tom again, Tom's accident last year just sort of reminded me that life's short, isn't it? Yeah, Let's it is, go out yeah. and do the things yeah. we want to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've made an extra effort this year and, and the back end of last year to... To just go climbing and do the things I want to enjoy. Was it yeah. Pabe or me? Yeah, yeah, earlier this year I headed out to Pabe for a week. Um, Pabe being an island, what, 50 odd miles off, off the west coast of mainland yeah. Scotland. It's like a five hour ferry, and you chat up the local fishermen, and they'll take you another six miles south and drop you off on an uninhabited island with no phone signal. And well, we'll come back in a week, hopefully. Just go climbing, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Somewhere I've never been, it was one I, I, I missed out on, I would love to have done that. Oh, you'll have to paddle out there now, Mike. Yeah, maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. Um, but you're climbing around North Wales as well. I mean, do you keep your grade up? Is that hard to do with all do this you know, work? You know, I know I used to have to climb two or three times a week to keep my grade yeah, up. Yeah, I, I feel like I've climbed better this year than I ever have before. Oh, brilliant. May, maybe not that hard in terms of grades compared to other folk around, but I certainly feel but, more solid at the grades I'm at and more consistent at those grades and just more more comfortable to go into yeah. some pretty wild places. Yeah. You know, going out to Pabe, yeah. abseiling 100 metre free hanging abseils yeah. with a six meter swell running at times and climbing four pitch e2s to get out is quite exciting it is it is and it's hard to get that over to people who want to be mountaineering instructors that it isn't directly about the grade they climb it's about the way they climb in those adventurous yeah. situations yeah and obviously the harder you climb the more likely you are to be able to operate in those situations but the two aren't you know the two are not linked inextricably are they no no it's, i i certainly see some people who might be really strong climbers yeah you know, they might be climbing 8b at the climbing wall yeah 8b outside sport climbing yeah. but you put them somewhere scary with a bit of loose rock above a big raging yeah. sea away from phone signal and oh, they're having a bad day bit of steep grass and some gorse yeah. bushes for a bee like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> bit of bird poo on the hold pulling some holds off yeah it's, it's exciting yeah. stuff isn't it it really got, is gotta gotta keep your wits about you definitely yeah. climbing dreams have we got more more to come Oh, just just go climbing in adventurous places. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not really one for having kind of a tick list. Yeah. I, I, for yeah. me, it just means I'm disappointed when the weather's not right and I can't do it. Um, but yeah, cool places. So I'm hoping to get out to Mingalay next year, next door island to Pabe. Oh, fantastic. Now then, I feel we ought to uh, touch on one or two tricky subjects here. Because oh, yeah. we've been out today with a group and uh, we've actually been trying to navigate with phones. Yeah. And, you know, this people get hot under the collar about navigating with phones, don't they? What, what are your mm. thoughts on it, Dan? You know, can people go hill walking in Britain just use the mobile phone? Well, I mean, we've done it today. We made it up and back down again. Yeah. How did it work? How did we do it? Was it was it okay? Well, I, I think we established it wasn't quite as easy as kind of people make out. Anyway, it was, um, you know, it's, it's not quite like following a sat-nav in a car where it says, we'll go straight on for... 100 metres and turn left. Yeah. You know, we're still... Yes, my map's got a blue dot of where I am, but I'm, we still had to interpret that map and all those lines and what they mean on the map. 
to find a safe and appropriate route across that ground. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, when we say oh, it's easy with a phone, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not maybe quite that easy. It still feels like it's a developing technology, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, and I sometimes wonder whether we're just so into OS maps that we have to use a package with an OS map. And if you're not into OS maps like we are as, as mountain leaders, mountaineers, such as, is it easier to use one of the packages that doesn't have OS maps on to use an all trails or a, a Strava or a Komoot or something? It, yeah, yeah, probably. Because yeah. OS maps are, are baffling if you don't know what all those yeah, lines mean. Yeah. It's like a special code, isn't yeah. it? But for me, there's so much information on an OS map, isn't there? I just, yeah. But I am biased. I do like them. We like them because we can understand them. We know yeah. what those lines mean. But the, gen the general public, the non-mountaineering yeah. community, um, a lot of them would know where to start. And that's no... I don't see that as a negative. I yeah. just see that as a thing that we need to deal with. But if people are hill-walking, and, and the, you know, the old people with... You know, grey hair and <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, and come on, say, you should use a map and compass. Should they use a map and compass or should they just learn how to use the phone better? Tricky, isn't it? I think isn't it? We used to go, oh, well, what if your battery runs out? Well, you've got no signal. What about this, that and the other? It's not yeah. waterproof. Well, I think we've got answers to most of those now. Have, I carry a battery yeah. pack on the hill every day and that's got yeah. kind of four charges for my phone in. Yeah. I'm carrying a waterproof phone in a waterproof case that I can use in the <laughs> yeah. rain. So that's a non-argument. Yeah. Uh, signal, well, we can download maps for offline use. Yeah. And GPS has always got sight to the sky, so that always works. Yeah. We're running out of reasons to say phones aren't appropriate. Because yeah. um, we've been walking on bearings today. We've been in low cloud today, haven't we? Not walking yeah. on a compass bearing, but using the facility on the phone yeah. um, to, I, to, to find where we're going. I think it's really important that we are on maps and compasses still, mm. or we have those skills still, because mm. your phone might have battery, but if you've jumped across a stream and dropped it in the river and you can't get it back, <laughs> you, you still need to know how yeah. to get out of there, don't you? And I think we were able to use the phone the way we did today because we can map read and use compasses. Yeah, I think um, at the moment using things like Outdoor Active OS Maps, app, yeah. Uh, yeah. Memory Map, whatever folk are on, we're still reading that map sheet that yeah. our little blue dot or red arrow or whatever yeah. is overlaid over. So um, I see it as a help. I think it can make our... I think it makes us better leaders. It's an interesting one, it, isn't um, it? It gives us more brain space to look after our group or our clients yeah. because we're not having to concentrate quite as hard on map reading. But we should still have those skills just yeah. in case it, it all goes a bit wrong. Got to be open-minded, though. They're fantastic things, these phones. So, yeah. Um, you yeah. need to be... Uh, you've almost got to learn another set of skills, haven't you? Because you've got yeah. your map and compass skills. You've got to learn mm. your phone skills as well and its limitations, yeah, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. We're, we're going to have clients come into us with a phone with an app saying how do we use this app to yeah. navigate and we, we need to be on board with that we, do. we can't we do. hide from it, it's coming I know another thing that popped up this last couple of days, we're talking about what kit to carry in your, your bag so, you know, I think when I work as a mountain leader for Raw you send me, you tell me what you want me to bring Yeah. Um, so what just, you know, just for the listeners who are probably you know, developing as mountain leaders in some cases or, or want to be, I just want to hear your point of view. Yeah. What should walk leader, it doesn't matter really whether it's lowland or hill or mountain, does no. it? Anything what could should, happen anywhere. What should they carry? Um, the minimum that you've been asked by your, your employer yep. as a, as a like, starting point because um, essentially if you're not carrying what they've asked, you're not going to be covered by their insurance because mm -hmm. you're not following their risk assessments. So 
that's like non-negotiable really yeah. whether you like it or not if you want insurance you have to follow what they're asking yeah. uh, and that's not just raw that's any employer yeah, yeah. Um, guidelines so, and things yeah but protect yourself and do what you've been asked yeah. first of all yeah um and that's always going to cover the standard you know yeah. your group shelter yeah. your first aid kit your spare layer your spare food and water that kind of stuff yeah um I think people need to ask themselves if the worst happened at the worst possible time and the weather got worse than planned. Yeah. Could you deal with it? Um, and I, I've observed over the last probably eighteen months, the last two summers of worth of work, yeah. that there's a trend to go fast and light, uh-huh. which is fine on people's personal days. Yeah. Do, do what you like when you're on your own. Um, but fast and light, as an instructor, doesn't work. No, it doesn't. If something happens, you've got a group yeah. of ten people. In the pouring rain near the top of the, I don't know, let's say the Kanedai, mm. and uh, you're going to be there for hours, mm. you know, and carrying one thin little jacket because that's all you need when you stop for ten minutes for lunch isn't going to keep you in a very good shape to look after a group for four hours out on that plateau. So uh, yeah, make your life comfortable. Mm. Go carry a bit more, carry that extra pair of warm gloves, an extra jacket, an extra little bit of food. Just in case, because if you do need it, you'll be so, so glad of it. It's really hard to train for, isn't it? Just mm. sitting still on a mountain for two, three, four hours. Yeah, it's flipping uh, cold is what it is, even yeah. in summer. Yeah. yeah, insulation from the ground is absolutely key. Uh, mm. And those extra layers. Yeah. Dry hats, dry gloves. Yeah. Sweets, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. and don't be tempted to ditch it just because it's a bit sunny outside at the moment. Is is the thing I would say. We're all we all. I'm guilty of it. I've done it in the past. I'm sure mm. you have as well. Guys. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice day. I'm going to drop that extra jacket. Well, yeah. if it's cold and windy on top, the sun might be out, but you're still going to want that jacket. Did, we did have a, another interesting one. Was I had to deal with some of the heat exhaustion recently, and I had to try and make a shade with a group shelter and some walking poles. Mm. And so I suggested to Dan that actually I'd have been better with a tarp, which is easy to erect yeah. uh, in a sunshade thing. But of course, on Dan's instructions, it says bring a group shelter. So would I have been in trouble if I'd have taken a tarp oh. instead of a group shelter on that particular day? I, I, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure they're my instructions. They're our instructions. Yeah. Our insurers have seen and all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think... Um, question you've got to ask yourself is can you justify it first of all do you have a good good explanation um and would you be able to look after someone as well with that same piece of kit or better and you'd probably argue a tarp was better than a group shelter in that hot weather on that particular day it would have been better um even with climate change there's got to be infrequent those hot days yeah i would think so but you know i i've had it we, I think we chatted the other day yeah. about the event I was on down south with four people with heat stroke in the same place. Yeah, it's definitely something people yeah. need to be mindful of, isn't it? We're, yeah. we're obsessed with getting cold, but yeah. people have been getting too hot, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. essentially, c- carry what you need to carry as a minimum, yeah. and at times there might be extra bits like a tarp. Yeah, And it comes back to mountain leaders, mountaineering instructors making dynamic risk assessment doesn't it and judgments mm, and yeah. and being equipped and feeling equipped to make those choices yeah uh, and that's really important isn't it yeah yeah definitely yeah. dan i think we've covered everything we want to talk about is there anything else springs to mind well i don't know we've, we've covered a lot haven't we um, <laughs> oh yeah we've covered job number one job number two 
trustee job number one, actually going climbing occasionally. <laughs> and yeah. you've got a dog to look after. Oh, and the dog, And yeah. you're putting your new kitchen in this week. Oh, yeah, I'm building a new kitchen. Yeah, yeah, you know, just Saturday afternoon activity, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, do you ever watch telly? I'm a bit restless. <laughs> I sit down and go, I've been here ten minutes, what's happening now? So you go and do um, something. Yeah, no, I, I do chill out occasionally. But yeah, not not very often. Brilliant. Um, well, um, thanks very much, Dan. It's really nice to uh, to get under the skin a little bit. I know because there'll be a lot of people who work for Raw who mm. don't who want to chat with you and don't get time for a chat. So yeah. hopefully they'll appreciate that. And uh, yeah. I, you know, if listeners want to get in touch with Raw, they can do that. If they want to be on the Mountain Leader list, and absolutely, things. yeah. Just fire us an email through the contact form on the website. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, great. Okay, Dan Lane. Thank you very much indeed. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Cheers, folks. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Obviously, these things don't happen magically. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor a podcast, then do get in touch with me. You can contact me through my website, mikewayne.co.uk. Something else you can do is link to um, other other areas, in particular my Patreon page. If you'd like to become a full member of the Patreon page, you'll get these podcasts ad-free. They will be always available through my patreon page other things that you get access to on my patreon page are gear notes bonus podcasts blogs um, nature notes videos the audio version of the mountain leader and e-learning modules so it's well worth taking a look at the patreon channel and uh, that will help me to keep creating and i'm trying to create to help you Thanks for listening. All the best. Cheers now. Bye.